Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host today, Dave Georgiev. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Cons. Um, today, we have a special guest, our dear, dear friend and founder of Young & Company, uh, Mr. Dave Young. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. Um, so we are entering into tax season, which for anybody that knows a CPA, uh, knows that this time of year gets brutal, absolutely brutal. If you are married to or related to a CPA, you do not see them for a couple months. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah, we're going to be going underground, much like the groundhog here coming <laughs> yeah, up no. soon. We will better not see a be, shadow. Be, uh, do you see your shadows? <laughs> no, no taxes, nothing but taxes for the next couple of months at least. And then even then those will be extensions. But right now we are just start kicking off tax season, getting ready to to take care of clients and reduce people's tax liabilities where possible. Absolutely. Dave, I, I got a quick question for you. What percentage of people that you file for, whether it be corporate or individuals, uh, file for an extension? I would say a fair number of the business clients will file for extension if they, a lot of times they have to wrap up some of their bookkeeping, some things, you know, there's some ambiguities. You want to make sure it's clear and correct. You have a good, good tax filing. So if there's anything that's say nebulous, you want to make sure it's correct. And sometimes the best thing to do is get it on extension because the business returns will issue out K-1s. So not only if you have to amend, not only will affect that business return, but all the shareholders or partners. So whatever that filing is, let's say there's four or five partners, you want to make sure that return is correct because if you have to correct that base return, then you got to correct four or five other individual returns. Oh, that sounds yeah. like fun. So you want to make sure that's correct. So if everything is good and correct and comes to us, we do our very best to get it out on time, but you want to make sure the filing is done correctly. And right now there's talk of a retroactive tax law change, which could impact all the business filers when it comes to depreciation, for example. So Stop. until such time that uh, the government can tell us actually what the rules are. Yeah, good luck with um, that. We want to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, we have the returns done. And then we'll see if they're going to actually change the laws retroactively or not. But there's a shortage of you guys right now, right? CPAs? It's, yes, a huge shortage. I, I sit on the board where I will sit again on the board of New York State Society of CPAs. I was on the board for quite some time. I was actually their vice president of chapters for, for a year. Oh. And I get to see the CPA numbers coming in. And the, the number of CPAs coming in the pipeline is very low. And the number leaving is very high. It's a very high high pressure uh, sort of job to have. And a lot of CPAs are aging out and, and a lot of them are choosing to hang up, close up their practices and uh, retire. So you have more on the way out than you have on the way in. So it's a significant shortage of CPAs right now. That's got to be the same in our field too. I, I feel like the younger generation, they just don't want to do it. It's, it's really hard. It and, is. Uh, it is hard. A lot of pressure, a lot of liability. Right. No, nobody wants to work anymore. And that too. Yeah. The liability is significant and you're trying to interpret tax law that really, you know, a lot of folks, it's brand new. Matter of fact, I was actually talking to one of my colleagues. There's probably been more tax law changes from 2017. So relatively recently mm -hmm. till now than there had been maybe, you know, I've been practicing over 30 years in, in maybe the 20 something, 25 or six years before that, because there's just the government sees the tax law change the way to maybe buy votes for congressmen or senators or whatever. Absolutely. And they keep changing the law. 
and it they've already they can change the law retroactively and and then a lot of times to make things even more complicated you get decoupling when the federal and the state have different sets of rules yeah so you have to be careful like you could have one set of rules for the feds and a different set of rule for the state and you get a lot of you know rule changes and a lot of decoupling and you have a lot a shortage of CPAs and you have the condensed things get condensed so for example what i mean by that is uh at the end of January, all the W-2s and 1099s should be issued, but you don't always get all of your clients, if they have, you know, if they're coming in from, if they have financial instruments, they're getting K-1s, they're getting 1099 dibs or consolidated brokerage statements. Those come out later and later every year. Oh, yeah. yeah. But one thing that doesn't change is the deadline, right? So well, the deadline was, is the deadline. I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's why I asked about the, uh, the extensions, because I feel like for a CPA, for your perspective, I mean- even me as an individual, 1099s coming in maybe end of February. Sometimes I get revised and like second week of March, I'm getting them. Right. So if I've already filed, now I have to go do an amendment. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I mean, does that really give you enough time to 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 thoroughly analyze the tax return, to to properly prepare? Like, they should, I think the season should be longer. Am I out of speaking out of turn? I don't know. No, I, I I agree. It would be nice if it'd be longer, but I think what human nature is then you just keep. I can then see the mm -hmm. people just waiting to the next deadline. Kicking so the can. so to your point, what we do is we we make sure we know who's going to be in that bucket. So we know if we have a client that perpetually they get their information to them. I mean, it's not the client's fault necessarily. They're getting their broker statements late. That's then what I'm those, saying. Those clients they have we no do control over that. We do tax planning for them, so we know more or less what it should be. And then we do an extension. And when I file that extension, I have them pay in what would be also due for the first quarter of, for the year, in this case, 24. So we have an extension for 23. We pay in that amount with the extension. So therefore, if there's a refund for 2023, it'll flow into 2024. So oftentimes, if, I, if there's complicating issues, like you mentioned, let's say brokerage statements that are changing or K-1s and things along those lines, what we always, what we tend to do is, you know, put them on extension. I always let the client make the decision, but if it looks like things are coming to last minute, you know, the best thing for the client and the best thing for everybody involved, even the taxing authorities, is to file an extension because it's more work for even the IRS. To, now they have to process an amended return. The client has to pay for an amended return. So if things are getting pushed up against the deadline, now, now granted, you're working with limited workforce too. So even if you have all the information for all the clients, you can only produce, you know, so many widgets yeah. in your factory. Workforce, you mean in CPAs and or tax on the other end. Correct. Too, right? right. Exactly. So how are they possibly going to be able to go through those returns? That's a good question. I, I'd be impressed if they could simply start answering the phones. I mean, at the IRS oh, level, good luck I mean, with right? That. So- Hey, they, they will penalize you though. So if you <laughs> exactly. if you um, miss a filing, let's say you have an FBAR, which is a foreign bank account reporting issue, that's a big penalty, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So those are things that you get a penalty on. But so to your point, if you have any inkling of having, if a person has a foreign bank account, you want to put that person on extension to make sure you capture all their accounts, all their investments that are overseas because they have to be reported in a, you know, separately through a, like through FinCEN mm -hmm. and also on the tax return. So a lot of times um, people are better off with extensions. You know, I've been married over 30 years and my wife's also CPA. And I would say that probably for 30 of the, for most of the years, all the years we've been married, we filed an extension because it's much better from everyone's perspective. That return's done. 
let's say May or June, when the person has a little bit more, all the information, a little bit more time, you know, to your point, now the, the uh, revised 1099s is, has been revised. There's no more revisions. The K-1s have finally come in um, because with the shortage of CPAs, even those places where those clients are getting their K-1s from, wherever they are, they're limited too in time. So oftentimes people are actually better off with extensions if they have a complicated return and the information is coming in and last. I think I filed an extension in the last Maybe maybe it's been almost a decade. How about you? Any extensions? Um, yeah, actually, was it last year? Two years ago. I, 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 I feel like I, I, I tell you every done. year. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, maybe you did. Yeah, but but that leads us into the next question for for you, Dave. Is um, what can people do to to prepare themselves when they come in to meet with you? So here's what I have my clients do. So we have. Our clients, we give them a checklist. And every year we give them a checklist and every year it, it gets revised because sometimes, they will, I mean, every year the law is changing, mm-hmm. but oftentimes this, a lot of things are the same. So for example, my clients, we give them a checklist and on that checklist are things like, hey, we need your driver's license. We need you to make sure you have all your W-2s, your 1099s and make sure um, you do a comparison. So you take all your documents for 2023 and compare them to 2022 to make sure you have everything. So oh boy, I might be missing the one from you know XYZ brokerage. I don't have that one. So you got to go, the client will have to go and download it or get it from their broker or however they get it. Or maybe they're missing a W-2 to go back to their employer and get it or a 1099. So for my clients, what I want them to do is make sure they go f- step-by-step on my checklist and make sure you have everything on that checklist. And when I interview the client, when they come in, I make sure, hey, here's the checklist. Here's everything you had last year. Here's everything you have this year. So I'm going to double check them. But I want to make sure, for sure, when we file that return, it's accurate. We don't want any problems with the IRS or New York State because no, those entities fun. are very yeah. unforgiving. And even if you're right, you're wrong because you can't get through to them. So you'll send them <laughs> multiple letters, yeah. multiple filings saying, hey, guys, here's the information. I've This is the third time, and it's just you know going to a big black hole. So what the last thing you want to do is send anything inaccurate there because it'll take a lot of time and effort to correct it. Well, let me ask you, and I've had experience with New York State in probably the last five years, almost every year. Got a nice letter from New York State or, and I've gotten some maybe 10, 15 years ago from the IRS. You get, you open that envelope and you're like, oh, geez, you see those three right. letters and your heart drops. But if you're doing everything right and you're, you're very uh, diligent and in, in making sure that your numbers are correct, you're reporting all your income and things like that, you really shouldn't be that scared. But what I will say is, and I totally agree with you is, these people just suck. It's a time suck. It's a time suck. And you'll right. never get that time back. You don't get compensated for no. that. Usually you resolve it somehow. Oh, they forgot this or there was a box or you need to add a form or they couldn't find something. But what's your, I mean, these people that I talk to, most of them put me on hold after I'm done talking to them for a half an hour. They go to try to research it. They don't even know what they're talking about. And this right. is the person that decides if I owe them money or not. Yeah. So the, the, what I would tell you to do is, and for anyone out there listening is you can get an account with the IRS. Like you can open up your own account so you can go in and get a transcript. A transcript is simply everything that the IRS sees on you. So oftentimes, um, you know, for, especially for, if if I'm dealing with people may have elderly parents and they don't know if mom and dad have everything, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they can get on with their mom and dad and help them get a transcript. And then New York state actually has a pretty good portal themselves and the CPAs. If you sign a form called a TR 2000, simply a form. Is that power it, of attorney? It's not power of attorney. It's, it allows the 
CPA to go on and see your filings with New York State. So if you get a letter from New York State, rather than faxing it in or mailing it in, mm-hmm. you or your CPA can go to their portal and then put it in the portal. The, the advantage of that is you get a, a essentially like a some sort of proof that went up there. You get like a little code saying, yeah, we got this. Everything's timestamped with a date. You can see right. what's Unlike going on. the mail, because the other, you know, the postal <laughs> services, you know, they, they do their best, but I think, you know, you don't necessarily know if something gets mailed in, did it actually get there? Now, anytime you're doing a mailing with the government, you want to do it registered mail, certified mail, priority mail, so there's tracking. But if you go through the portal, same thing's true with estimated tax payments for if you have an account with the IRS or New York State. If you are making estimated tax payments, you want to make them online because yeah. you're going to get a, tra- a transmittal number. You don't want to just t- trust the postal service will get it there. Then once it gets there, that the IRS will process it and it gets put it on your account. So to the degree you can avoid the mail, do that. To the degree you can avoid even calling them by going online and getting a transcript and trying to resolve things that way. Yes, yeah. but the whole name of the game is get a return filed correctly without any errors to avoid any problems with New York or the IRS. Dave, Dave didn't they, did, did the law pass where they added all those IRS agents? Do you remember yeah, that like yeah, a year I ago, two remember. years yeah, ago? I don't know yeah, if it, yeah it, it did. And they were, they were supposed to be armed. Do you remember that? Yeah, law? We're like, why? Is, I'm not sure if they're really armed. I think what <laughs> part of the issue is, did they take they're, they're that pistol safety course in New York State? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, right. I just took part one. So for, for the IRS folks, they're also losing a lot, right? So maybe they bring on 87,000 new people. But remember, every year they're losing a bunch of people that are retiring. Sure. So, you know, but what I would, what I would tell you is they're going to go after the small business people. They're not going to go after the big businesses because those big businesses, they have the means to defend themselves or. Yeah. But if you're a small business owner. In New York. In New York, <laughs> good luck because you're going to have, you know, you got, you got the double whammy of being in a hostile state and you may not have the means to defend yourself. So part of your defense is making sure you have a buttoned up tax return, that you're compliant with all the rules, that you have a CPA and a lawyer and a financial team in your back pocket that you can count on. Because I don't think any one business owner can know all of those things. Dave, you you just brought me back to like middle school, high school. It's like, you want to make sure you have the right buddies to to protect yourself from that bully. Right. And we know who the bullies are. Right, exactly. And part of it is just, just the common sense, like, you know, like you, you have a CPA that you have a relationship with and you have a lawyer and, a, and like financial guys like you, the same thing, because right now things are so complicated mm-hmm. and they're getting more complicated literally every year and they're not likely to get less complicated. So they're only going to get more and more complicated and the penalties will become more and more punitive. Yeah. So, so best thing somebody can do when they prepare for their returns is making sure they go through that checklist. Correct. Yeah. Making sure really you want to make sure you take, and if you don't have a checklist, just look at your last year's tax return and say, okay, I had the W-2 from this employer, that employer. I had 1099s from, from this brokerage house, from that brokerage house, these K-1s. Make, use your last year's tax return as your guideline if you don't have a checklist. But you know, I provide a checklist that's, that I give to my clients to make sure they have something to, to, you know, to start gathering their stuff. And I usually have them get a folder, put everything in the folder. And then they, when they send, they can send their, they send my, my stuff through our portal, which is a secure portal. So mm-hmm. making sure they keep a copy and we have a copy. And so when they come to us, we're not going back and forth. Like they come in, they have all their stuff right there, you know, get it all to me as quickly as you can, accurately as you can. And, you know, if we have to file an extension, we file an extension. My whole attitude on the extension is it's a good tool. As long, and one thing I got to remind people, it's 
an extension is for time to file, not pay, right? So if you owe the IRS, <laughs> you can't. Every year, I, I say that every year I get people calling me, I need to file. I don't have the money to pay the IRS. Well, like, well, the IRS wants their money. New York wants their money. Yeah. But you can file for an extension, but you better send money with it if you owe money. That's kind of my point right there. Okay. But. Okay. What are some of the the nuances? You know, I think of the crypto craze a couple of years ago. When people prepare for taxes, what what experience have you had? I mean, are people coming in with big oh, gains and, yeah, and so thinking they don't have to pay tax? So crypto's big point the IRS is looking at right now. So it's a big question right on top of the tax return. Do you, you know, they started off, it's like digital assets, like cryptocurrency. Yeah. So initially people had cryptocurrency and, and the IRS didn't know about it, right? They didn't know how to track it. Well, now the IRS is getting really good at tracking all the cryptocurrency transactions, right? So people don't realize though, when you go from a fiat currency, US dollar, you buy something, say Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency, that's sort of like, you know, you're buying and selling stocks. Like, you know, so if it's almost like you're buying something with, you're selling your position in Microsoft or Apple, or you're selling some of your mutual funds to buy something. That's a transaction, a capital transaction. Well, but wait, let me ask you this. If I cross the border, like we used to do as, as kids in college and go over to Niagara Falls, and I take a couple thousand bucks and now I get the Canadian currency and that's not a taxable event, right? Right. It's fiat currency. But, but it, in this case, you're saying that people might not realize, hey, you know, I have hundred bucks in cash in US right. dollars and now I want to get Bitcoin. That's like a transaction. Right. Well, the initial buying of the fiat from fiat to like buying Bitcoin and you hold it, that's oh, okay. It's like, there's no reporting. There's no so, gain yet. Right. And there's no gain. But where you have the issue is, when you sell that position, right? So let's say you you bought a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then and then uh, two months later you sell some of that to buy something. Now you've got a capital transaction. So where people kind of have to be careful too is it where they're housing their you know where that money is. So a lot of mm -hmm. issues like when I we talk about FinCEN, we talked a little bit earlier about FinCEN, and FinCEN is reports all your foreign accounts. So one of the issues with crypto is you got to make sure that crypto is housed here. Like if it's US based, right? Cause you could have, um, if it's, you could have two issues. If that crypto is being held overseas in an overseas account, now you have a FinCEN requirement and a crypto requirement. So I would be careful with crypto to make sure you do report it because it is getting reported to the IRS. So they are seeing those is transactions. It, yeah. is, it yeah. is now. Because I, is, I think is. if you if you have a wallet that's in right. New York State, it has to they have to comply. Uh, right? Yes, yeah. and so I know is, there were some that exited New York State because they right. Couldn't. It is yeah. getting reported. So my whole point is, you know, you you don't want to mess with the IRS. You want to be compliant and follow the rules, and you know, like anything else, you just don't want them up in your Kool Aid. Because once they get into looking at crypto, while we're here, we're going to go look at everything else, right? So, so just follow the rules. Mm -hmm. and so how do these these bad actors still? you know, do the kidnappings and the, hey, I'm going to hijack Young and Company's cloud, their server, and I'm going to hold that information hostage. And I'm only going to release it if you pay me 10,000 Bitcoin. I, how, yeah. The, that's those, a non-traceable transaction. Right. The, well, those guys are probably overseas and not under the jurisdiction of the IRS, those bad yeah. actors. Yeah. I'm sure that's what they're doing. Yeah. And that's why they want the Bitcoin, right? Because that way- <laughs> They can hide yeah. under it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's not absolutely. even small companies. They're, they're oh, hitting no. up hospitals. They're, right. they're hitting up big, very large corporations and they're paying up the ransom. Oh, MGM. Right. right. Matter of fact, um, if if you're a business owner in New York State, you better be aware of the SHIELD Act, right? So you've got to make sure you're compliant with 
you know, all of those rules, like for anybody doing tax, there's IRS wants you to have a WISP, you know, basically. What's make, that? Making sure, yeah, making sure you have a- They've always got a lot of acronyms. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it. It's a information security <laughs> plan. Like a information security plan, making sure you have everything set up where your, your employees are trained, making sure you're following the rules, making sure you're buttoned up, you know, for security. There's two-factor, your resting data is encrypted, that you have your- IT department has very good cybersecurity, whatever that might, you know, so you want to make sure you're following the rules because the IRS is saying, look, you're sitting on all of that PII, the, the private identifiable information. So you have CPA firms going to have a person's social security number, bank account yeah, information, yeah. driver's license. That's a license. lot of info. That is, right. So that is. you want to make sure that that information is protected. I take that extremely seriously. So that, you know, I... We do our very best, and we have mm -hmm. a very high level. And it's of not cheap. And not cheap. I spend significant amounts of money on on IT and specifically on cyber. You know, you got to make sure your employees are trained, and not just once a year. I'm talking as like an ongoing event, making mm -hmm. sure they're doing the right thing, and making sure your clients aren't emailing you PII in the email. Making sure they're using your portal, and the portals are secure, and they're using. Uh, difficult passwords with two factor. So it sends a, you know, you have like a two factor sends a push to your, maybe your cell phone where you have an app that says, you know, so once you put the username and password, still another factor to get in. So you, the cybersecurity is, is extremely big deal to your point. Um, the bad actors are out there and they're looking and they're going to all, all kinds of tricks, right? They're going to use oh, yeah. all kinds of tricks to get in, you know, to try to get into your system because your weakest link is really the user, right? So the, the person behind the computer. So you could have, you could be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on security and all they need is someone to click on one link saying, oh yeah, your Amazon packages arrived, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And then they click on it and it's not Amazon. And all <laughs> of a sudden you, you have ransomware on your network. Yeah. So we take that extremely seriously. We make sure that we tell our clients you better link up with a good, you know, IT company that does, uh, cyber that also has cybersecurity wrapped in and maybe in, in, and actually have an outside third party, right, yeah. come and check. So part of the cybersecurity is like we get a report, it's like a SOC report, like an audit. Like so if, if we're dealing with a third party, we make sure that third party is also secure. Like they send us their audit, their outside auditor auditing their IT, their cybersecurity. So any vendors that you work with, you've got to vet them to make sure you might, you, you might have done everything great on your side in your firm, right? But then you're dealing with a third party. You're people handling your IT, people handling your yeah. portal, people handling your software, all that. You got to check and you got to get proof that you've vetted them. You know, it could be as simple as the people, sure. like you have shred bins. Are those shred bins locked up? So the security comes in, cybersecurity, yeah. but the shield act gets into administrative. Like someone calls in and says, hey, I'm Dave Georgia. Well, how do we know it's really Dave? You got to yeah. vet him, right? Yeah. You know, because you want, you, it could that be. That was a part of a conversation we had this morning uh, with Jason and, and Charlie about AI, the use of AI. And it's going to get scary good. It's scary. Scary good because you're not going to know if you're talking to me. Right. And I'm going to say, Dave, could you drop off that check at so-and-so? Right. Yeah, no problem. Exactly. So that's like an admin. That's an admin support. And physical is, physical is one you can kind of get. Like your doors are locked. You have cameras. You have codes to get in, like the code, there's a code, an alarm codes to get in most places where all your, all your, uh, like say your server room, like you have biometrics to get in there. Like it only lets certain people in. It's based on biometrics to get into my, or, or, or all that is not, and that's, 
it's very secure, mm -hmm. right? But it could be as something as simple as someone calls in and says, hey, I'm this guy. Well, you've got to vet that person. How do you know That's it's right. that person, right? Yeah. Or they someone sends you an email and they just put one letter off the other, the real email, right? How are you going to know? You've got to make sure you're dealing with who you think you're dealing with. It is so insidious. It's it's almost like you have to have a master's class in cybersecurity just to operate a business in right in today's world. But, but you are right, though. Even having the best technology and the best support and the best systems, it always comes down to the weakest link. And Microsoft just got hacked. And it was because of an employee clicking on a link. So they had all these these great systems in place to, to mm -hmm. block and defend itself, exactly. except you had one person click on something wrong. Yeah. The mm -hmm. human element. Human element. With that, this is a good place to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine here, Monarch Wealth Management, my co-host, Dave Georgiev, and our guest, the one, the only, Dave Young from Young & Company. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here, guys. Having the, a lot of fun. The groundhog himself, David <laughs> <laughs> Young. <laughs> Yeah, He's, I'm, I'm going to come out and see my shadow. It's going to be six more weeks of tax season. Yeah, that's the truth, dude. Please no. So, so real quick, Dave, and you got to give us the high level because, you know, you're very intellectual, so you can dive deep and in, in all this stuff. But we want our viewers to be able to stay awake during this, you know, the podcast here. So FinCEN. New rule, new what, law. What is new, it? Yeah. So yes. what they're going with, the new rule is essentially is beginning January 1st of 2024 until 12-31-24. You have this one-year window. Mm -hmm. In that one-year window, if you're a small business, you know, defined as essentially less than $5 million in gross receipts, and you have less than 20 employees. So in theory, you could have $10 million in gross receipts, but only 10 employees, right? So you have to have, you would still do a filing. So mm -hmm. pretty much if you're a small business and you have an entity like an S-Corp, a C-Corp, or an LLC, that entity needs to do a filing through um, an organization called FinCEN. It's part of the U.S. Treasury. It's been around for a while. They've been basically looking at foreign bank accounts, making sure you're doing those filing. This year, they want all these businesses to report up to them. And what you're going to report essentially is who the beneficial owner or owners are. That filing is something you should you need to do yourself or with your lawyer. It's not really something a CPA is supposed to do, but mm -hmm. I want people to be aware of this filing. And essentially what you'll do, you give them a copy of your passport, driver's license, who the owners are, beneficial owners are. Wait, wait. So where do they do this? You say you give them. You'll, oh, you do it online. So you're it's not local. The, yeah, like a, you're, you're going to go, okay. right, you're gonna go on their, their website. You open up an account. And the thing to remember is it's going to be for each entity that you own. So if you have four LLCs, it's not, it's going to be a filing for each Entity will do yep. each entity, each LLC or each entity, mm -hmm. and you'll report to the fin to FinCEN who owns, who are the owners of this entity or the beneficial owners of this entity. Mm -hmm. the, ca the caveat is you also have to report any changes. So that's where it gets a little, you know, sticky. So if 
you have changes like changes could be a change of address. It could be a, you have for the business for or the business or the, the individual. Owner, or. Right, wow. right. So I can see um, people a missing this filing, right? Not even doing the filing. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, if you don't do the filing, five hundred dollars per day penalty per day per day, not just five hundred dollars once. We're talking five hundred dollars per day, and. And there's possible criminal charges, which include a couple of years in prison. So this is you something you get out of here. You want to be. This how is are they going to enforce that? Let's be real. Dude, yeah. How are they going to enforce that? I don't know how, but I don't want to be the guinea pig. No, I not. am way too pretty to go to jail. But you if are, I do go, if I do go to jail, pretty, so handsome. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going gonna, with pretty. Actually, I'm gonna pretty. open. I'm gonna beat the biggest <laughs> guy up in this gang. Take over his gang. That's right. And maybe I'll have H and R cell block. Who knows? You know? <laughs> Who knows what I'll do? Dave will be walking around prison going, "Gator don't play." <laughs> yeah, it'll be like Shawshank Redemption for there you, you go. Know? So there I would, I would tell you that you need to be very aware of this filing. This is something that you don't want to miss. This is something that you would work with your lawyer on, a competent lawyer who knows what he or she is doing, or you can do it yourself. But once you've done the filing. You know, you're done. However, if there's changes, you you know, could be a change of the business address, could be a change in beneficial owners, it could be a change in yep, you gotta in, re, in you your gotta address. You update have to, that. And I, and I I believe it also if even if your driver's if let's say you use your driver's license and expired, then you've got to you know then you got to update oh, that. Come on, that seems a little bit laborious. I mean, right? So I think why are they doing this though? That's just a good want- question. It's all about corporate transparency, apparently. So what they're looking for is. There is not one system in the United States where, you know, like at the federal level, the, mm-hmm. they, they're looking for people who are hiding behind these LLC shell companies, maybe doing nefarious things. So I think that's what they're trying to find and look for, like who owns what entities and who might be influencing sure. these entities behind the so scenes. So you mean to tell me for the last couple hundred years, this country had no idea who owned a business? So that's my question <laughs> the is, Russians. Like, it seems like the IRS would know. But I don't know. This is what, you know, know. is coming out. So all I can tell you is there's a reporting requirement. It needs to be done. I would not forget about it. I would reach out to your huge penalty and it's per entity. So those can add up quickly, right? Per day, per entity. Correct. And on top of all that, I have not seen anything coming out from anything from the federal government making people aware of this. So if you're listening to this- I was just going to ask you that. How, how are people finding out about it? Because people, well, we were talking maybe a little earlier offline. What's the advantage of having a CPA? Well, one of the advantages besides just having, you know, a, a list of trusted professionals, like we're talking about the financial people, the lawyer, a CPA yeah. type of, yeah. is this is really, it's nice that you have a CPA who told you. Imagine if you're just the guy going on TurboTax or you go into some place and no one's ever mentioned it to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I send out a mailing to my client. I gave him a link to the FinCEN. I go to my life letter. I sent him the guide, step-by-step guide from FinCEN. Go to the FinCEN website, find a competent lawyer who knows what he or she's doing mm-hmm. because at least I've told my clients about it. And I found out about it because that's what I do. I listen to a bunch of podcasts similar to this in my in my field, and I follow all the different tax law updates. But this doesn't fall on the CPAs. This is not a CPA filing. This is a filing that's done by the individual owner or owners of the business through their lawyer. It's a lot like when you formed your LLC or your S Corp or whatever you did. You did that through a legal channel. And this is a very similar thing where I can see, though, People not knowing about it, getting missed. Absolutely. And then, and then blaming their CPA. I don't know how this kind of even fell in the CPA realm, 
But I feel like CPAs are the ones talking about this and not it's attorneys. Not a tax bill. But, but right, it's right? not attorneys. It's really like no. CPAs are like, did you hear about this new rule? Right. But think of all the small businesses, like the plowing companies, the, the contractors yeah. that got a single member LLC and they're not going to know about this right. if they go to TurboTax and all just right. do it on their own. Right. That's what I always like now because I'm into football. Now that the bills are out. I'm watching the remaining two teams. Who are you rooting you for? Hey, let's pause here. Oh. I'm going to go for San Francisco. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. you. Thank you, brother. My brother. I actually. No other reason. I was going to go check in on him after Detroit had him against the ropes. I was going to go. He was texting me that day. He's he's like, it doesn't look good. I'm like, I know, Dave. If he didn't didn't respond to my text, I had a plan to go get him out of his house. (laughs) (laughs) So I am rooting for your team. Thank you. Thank you. Because you are one of my best friends. So appreciate that. So, but I am deeply, seriously concerned about my clients and the well-being, making sure they're compliant and understand the rules mm-hmm. and at least know what the rules are. I have seen very little, if anything, from the federal government at all, other than putting up a website saying, hey, you have this filing, but not really making people aware of it. So to your point, if you're the guy that goes on TurboTax, God bless you. That's your, you know, fine. That's okay. But if you're sitting on an LLC, we have a lot of clients that own LLCs for the rental properties. Yeah. And, and they'll have a rental property, two or three, maybe in an LLC. But are they aware of the filing? Did anyone tell them? Is TurboTax yeah. telling people? Do you people? think TurboTax will? Like have know. some sort of I, announcement? I, 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 no I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt yeah. it because it's not a tax thing. It's really a, oh, you're legal, right. you're it's right. really a legal right. filing. Yeah. So I would doubt the software companies are going to tell their people about it. I don't know that. I just yeah. my My gut feeling says that there's been very little information pushed out from the federal government mm-hmm. telling people, making them aware of this. So how are people going to know? That's, yeah. that's a, you know, there's not yeah. a lot of information on there. So. I got a question for you. So you, you mentioned the initial filing. Aside from the address change or maybe expired license, is there any other reason to recertify or refile? Yes. So if, let's say you have uh, a, ben- a, a change of beneficial owner. Uh, right? Ownership change. Mm. Right. And remember the beneficial owner, um, again, we're getting to some legal work here, but essentially yeah. it's defined if you own more than 25% equity or you could be like a CEO, a CFO. So you if know, your title changes? Or, or let's say you bring in a person and that person could fall into the beneficial owner rules. That's why you got, that's why it's mm-hmm. a legal thing because it's not really tax. So what yeah. I would tell you is if you have a change, maybe you bring on a new person or a, a person leaves or they get replaced by a new person or a new person comes on. Now you have a new beneficial owner in the mix, you have to report that. But if you have a big company or a big, say, it was relatively big, you may have five, 10 partners and you got to track if if one of the partners moved, right? So it's easy in your case, it's just two of you guys, mm-hmm. you know where each other yeah. live, but imagine you had 10 partners sure. and one moved from Brockport to Spencerport. Yeah. I mean, would you really know? Would that, and you, you only have a limited amount of time to do a filing, to give a new change of address for one of your partners. Yeah. Or well, one here's, of your, one here's of your a question for you owners, guys. I should say. They're asking business owners to willingly go in and report and say, I own this company. So you're telling me they didn't know before, right? Right. So how are they going to fine and impose a, a fine on these people that they don't know own the business? Yeah, it's a good question. Right? <laughs> Please tell us where hey, you are because yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't find you to find Give you. Give us all your information. <laughs> but, but you know what I see is I, I see um, they're, they're probably trying to button up some things, some, right. some money going in bad places and things like that, not being taxed and businesses that are shells Mm -hmm. and bad money moving around. But I see the people getting hurt are the people that own a business that are maybe uninformed or just didn't know about it. Negligence, just 
Those are the ones that are going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt, and they're going to get hurt in a significantly bad way. Yeah. I mean, because I think what could happen is the IRS will see the K-1s. Like, so you and Dave have a K-1 from your business. Let's assume Mm -hmm. you have a K-1. And then the K-1 goes to you and Dave. And let's say the address on the K-1 is different than the one on FinCEN. So do you see what my point is? Yeah. Like, let's say you have a partner. The partner moves from, say, Brockport to Spencerport. And then on the K-1, your CPA says, give me the addresses. Oh, I live in Spencerport now. So the K-1 gets reported with Spencerport. But FinCEN saw Brockport Mm. on the last filing. I can see that being an issue where um, they could come out and get you. I feel like if they want to, like, you know, put you against the wall, they can this way. It's like another way that if they really want to build up a case against you, they go and find some tiny thing that you didn't update on the Finson website. And then they kind of nail you to the wall with that as well. Right. So just something like your driver's license, like one that expires. Are are you going to think about it? I don't know. Say expires in three years, but you didn't move. Are you going to remember, hey, I got my driver's license expired. Do I have to update my? My right. Let's but, be real. Yeah. But there's so many things and, you have to do. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's it's an easy thing. It seems like an it's an easy thing. And it, it you know, conceptually it is. And I understand what the government wants to do and I get it. But the penalties seem onerous. Yeah. There's been very little plan to roll this thing out and inform people. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're gonna roll out something with such onerous penalties, you might want to tell people about and it as well. Them. And notify them. Yeah. So I don't know that maybe that will happen later this year. It's very early in the year. But one thing I would not do is I wouldn't wait till the end of the year to do, do the filing because I could only imagine the FinCEN website crashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as an avalanche of people try to get all their filings done that last, last week minute. of December, yes. right? You know? Yeah. And with, it's not that hard. I mean, no, like you said, not, you have the information ready. You go in and you, you, do, you it, do it. You do it. And make sure you keep a copy of that receipt. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That you've done the filing. And I would do it early. And I would be aware of what the rules are. And I would make sure you do it with a lawyer. Um, that the, that way you have at least some protection that you did, you know, you did your best effort. You engaged a professional who knew what he or she was doing. When does the clock start? So like January next year, do they say, Hey, you haven't filed. We're going to start day by day. Right. Is it 2025, January? Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. However, however, if you do a new filing, so let's say you do a new filing this year, let's say you formed a new LLC in 2024. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you, I believe, have 90 days, I think, to file. So if you formed an a LLC, shorter window. shorter window, right? So, so also, let's say you and Dave already formed, let's say you already made your filing, just as an example, just mm-hmm. assume you did. Mm-hmm. You made your filing, let's say, today. Mm-hmm. But then Dave moves from Brockport to Spencerport next I'm week. Now you got, I believe, I think this year you have 90 days. Again, you got to From the change? From, from the, the change. change. Do you see what I'm saying? So- um, you got to read the rules because I, I mean, I've read the rules, but the rules keep changing. So, of course yeah. they do. right. So, and I'm not a lawyer and I'm not holding myself out as a lawyer. So that's why I say contact a lawyer. But, yeah. um, if you've, if you have a change that clock to your point starts right when that's changed, when you did that filing. So right now, if you and Dave did a filing and then one of you move, you're on a 90 day clock, but that $500 per penalty. So if Dave moves from Spencerport, Brockport to Spencerport, in 91 days, that $500 penalty starts accruing, right? So you've got to make that update. Can I move back now? Yeah, you can move back to Brockport now. Thanks. So those Stay are the things where I think will trip people up because these are things that people are completely ballistically Un- una- un- unaware of, of, right? Agreed, agreed. And can we say when this all goes bad, we could just blame Kevin? 
Yeah, we're going to blame somebody. Kevin who? Johnson. Oh, yeah. We're going bl- to blame somebody, but it won't be the CPAs. Oh, no. Uh, I've been preaching from the t- from the hilltops about, yes. you know, informing you have, people about have. this way back in the day. When when you and you and uh, uh, Kevin were saying, what are you talking about? Just let them go. Just yeah, let them go. Yeah, yeah. Big D, can we transition a little bit? And um, I actually want to just take a couple minutes and talk about your military career. Because before you were a CPA, you were... Uh, bad to the bone, uh, U.S. Army. So what was your rank? So I was, well, I was actually at the same time. I was in the reserves, so I was okay. doing it in parallel. So I was, uh, I started off as a private in the infantry. I was actually 11 Charlie with a mortar man, and I ended up as a lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant colonel. Yeah, when I retired out, I was a lieutenant colonel. Wow. I had done, I was civil affairs, psyops, information. Thank you, thank you, for, thank your you for your service. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes. So I went to Afghanistan right after 9-11 with the really? 401st, right out here, right, right out of Rochester. A group of us went over to Afghanistan We with 10th Mountain. Really? And then the 82nd. Yeah. How crazy was that? That was pretty crazy. Yeah? Yes. It, at that it. time, there was very, it was brand new, right? So we were the first reservists there amongst the first military there, right? So yeah. we were there pretty early on. Back when the country was patriotic still? Still, correct. <laughs> so that was a unique time. Yeah. Unique, you know, a time to be in the uh, be in the service. It was an interesting time, that's for sure. So that was. How long were you in <laughs> Afghanistan for? Um, I was deployed for about a year. We were in Afghanistan just over nine months, nine months in a week, nine months and wow. right around nine months, yeah. though, right roughly. You, so weren't, you, you weren't married yet, right? No, I was married at oh, that really? time. I was married. And then at the time we got two year orders. Cause you didn't, cause it was, we were the first re- reservists in that first group of reservists. They didn't know how long we were. So we didn't know when, I, when we left, we didn't know how long we we're going to be gone for, right? You don't know. Like you don't know. Yeah. Like we got orders that says two years. <laughs> yeah. So they finally, when we were there, cause the active duty guys left after six months and we're like, okay, but what about us? We're like, oh, we're still working on that. I'm like, okay. So it could be another year and a half. Like yeah. we didn't know. So it turned out while we were there, they said, okay, you're, going to be gone a year and going to be in country nine months. And then we came back and got, you know, mobilized. And then they got mobilized again, right? For, I got another year. So I got, I went so you, twice. you went back? Actually, I was going to back to Iraq or Afghanistan and I ended up in Haiti for, and that's, um, I was, I was already trained up on, I, I was, uh, did civil affairs and psyops. And then I was doing, and then there was something called information operations. I got all those credentials. And then, so my guys had to go through some training, but I didn't, I already had the credential. So they actually sent me to Haiti for what was supposed to be like a short term, six week mission to set up a rewards program. And I ended up staying in Haiti for about a year. because my rewards program ended up working very well. So they left me there. When (laughs) was that? What year was that? 05. What were you doing? And what was the mission? If I mean, I don't know what you can explain, like in Haiti. In Haiti, it was mostly what I can talk about there was enhancing their security. Okay. Yeah. Like their military. Oh, U.S. Gov- yeah, the, our U.S. working with the Haitian government. Secu- okay. Security like that to help. Gotcha. Improve the security of Haiti at the time. So it was more of that type of mission. So I had a mission. It what I was doing was working. So they just left me there, yeah. helping with the general security of um, the embassy and Haiti in general, and, and U.S. The- forces. Well, not there was no U.S. forces, but just U.S. personnel's there. Yeah. The, making sure that, into the degree we can keep. Haiti, a less dangerous place. That was one of the things I worked on. Yeah. And then from that, Dave, that's kind of springboarded into the work you ended up doing in Haiti. Right. Yeah. So while I was there, I ended up um, working with um, a couple of 
like nonprofit, like uh, NGOs mm-hmm. um, in Haiti. In, in, and I, What's an NGO? A non-government, non-government organization. Yeah. Non-government organization. Oh, okay. And so I. It's funny. Outside the U.S., everybody, that's what they call them. Like nonprofits. Is yeah, it like, right, it's non-profit. like, oh, the NGO. So I worked with a couple of them there. And, and I really got a heart for Haiti when I was there. And I ended up adopting a couple of kids from Haiti. Um, um, and then when, after I left Haiti, when my time was done, I left. But I, then I got back involved again. I had set up a school in Haiti, helped get a school going. And it was right, sadly, right near where the earthquake was in an area oh, in no. Port-au-Prince. Yep. And we lost most of our students and had a lot of displaced people. And so then that started a journey of me setting up my, an organization in the U.S. to help um, you know, educate the people. And then we had these kids that didn't have families where they were essentially orphaned. So we put them in family groups because I believe that the kids are better off not in an orphanage, but better off in a family group. But we had to mm-hmm. help get them and set up in a family group. And that's, we're still working with the kids. They're starting to age out now because they were little kids then, but it's been years. So now they're, we've educated a whole group of kids, had a couple of schools. We set up a, um, a program, essentially like a micro loan program where we seated um, women, essentially, because they're kind of holding the family unit together with small amount of money, like $65, $70, and they pay that money back. And it's something as simple as they go out, you give them some seed money, they'll make go out and buy a case of, let's say, water. And they could just use, I'll use dollars instead of goods, and they can buy it for like $12. Um, it, but they could sell it for, say, $24, right? So as long as they retain $12 back, and they could go the next day to the depot and buy another case, and they could have $12 of gross profit. It's like a little business. Like a little business. Yeah. So we seeded many micro businesses, and then- for each woman we set, she can take care of about five people, whether it's their kids or grandkids. Mm-hmm. So that was self-sustaining. So that was another thing. And then we have a widow's program because there's no, there's no, so there's no government hate. There's no social security. So we have a program where the widows are sort of getting taken care of. And then, so That's it's great. basically the, the kids, we put them back in family groups. We educate those kids. We, I have a person that goes making sure they're going to school, making sure we, someone's helping them get tutored and going through school. And then we have a couple of, the schools we work with a little bit because we're trying to phase out a little bit because part of now in Haiti, we can't get down there because it's so dangerous. So that's what it, I was going to ask you, Davis. How is the current condition? It's very Haiti? bad. So you can't really go there because as a if I go there now, what I'll do is I'll bring more danger to the people because if they see me show up, they're going to say an outsider, right? So they'll go and try to kidnap. If I go visit a school or I go visit one of the family groups where the kids are, I go visit one of our microloan program people. If they see me interact with those people, even if, even if I don't get kidnapped myself, those people are in danger because the kidnappers will see an outsider and say, well, that person has a connection to, to somebody with means or money. Resources, yeah. Right? yeah sure. So it's very dangerous for me to go there for them. So for that reason, if I do go there, I have to meet them sort of clandestinely in a place where nobody can see them or me. Oh, that's a shame. So that's crazy. Yeah, it's not. A when did the president place. get assassinated? It's been a couple of years now. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Yeah, and so who's the leader now? There is they. They took the old prime minister. Is still there? There is no functioning government now. So it's sort of like a free for free all. For all? Yeah, oh my it's like gosh. it's like Mad Max. It's no. really it's insane. Wow. There's no. It's the gangs control big parts of the country. There's roadblocks. Yeah, and they'll try to extort money from you or kidnap you. That's it's kind not. Of, Kind not of like a, Mexico now too with yeah. the drug cartels and it's, stuff. It's it's like that. Yeah, it's, it's not a, going on for like the last not a place twenty five years. Yeah, it's not a safe place to be. Yeah, and it's very difficult. 
because you're, you know, I care about the people and with the technology, I can interface with them. I can use apps to, you know, video chat with them and see them and talk to with them. But, you know, they're in a dire straits there because there's no, without security, it's hard to have anything else. If you don't have security, you don't really have a rule of law, then it's difficult to, you know, maintain any degree of like stability. Order. There's wow. no very little, there's you're no doing order. great work there. Thank you for your yes. service. Thank you for everything you're doing there in Haiti. It's a lot. I've got a question for you. So how did you transition from this badass guy serving, and then you've got a soft place in your heart to, to go on and do this great work, and then you're doing taxes? Yeah, so I was doing- like zero fun. Yeah, zero yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, zero fun. Yeah, so it's just came to me. I think I used some of my skills I learned in the military. You know, that helped for me to set up the mission in Haiti because it's a lot of those tasks are transferable, right? You just have a vision and how you're going to get there and how is it going to work? And, yeah. Implementation. And, yeah, right. So that's something you learned when, when I learned when I was in the military. So it's really taking that, those skills and transferring and really even transferring into a CPA, running a CPA firm isn't much different than that as far as having a vision and how you're going to have procedures and how you're going to have, you know, essentially a vision and how you're going to get there and what steps it takes to get to that vision. Those are all transferable skills. As far as the mission in Haiti, I think that was more God-centric than me. You know, I think God just laid it on my heart to have this is what, you know, you know, sort of here, here's something for you to do. Here's something you can do in this lane here. But you did Um, it. And then, right. So I did it, which was not easy. At the time, you know, I went there after the earthquake. It was horrible. I mean, it was so much destruction. It's almost unimaginable. It's hard to describe it. It was so horrible to see the level of destruction. I can't even put it into words. It's just, just mound after mound of just gray, like, like, like rubble, rubble, just down in. And when I was there pre-earthquake, I knew how to get around because I could go by the landmarks because the ro- there aren't ro- road signs, right? And your GPS isn't going to tell you where to go. Mm-hmm. So I just knew by landmarks, turn here, go here, go this way. Because in Haiti, I did have a driver when I was there, but I never trusted my driver. I drove, right? So I knew mm-hmm. because I was always wondering, well- Were what you if paying someone, this driver? Yeah, but how do you know- if He just sat there while you drove? Right, but he could be an interpreter too. Okay. Right, yeah. and then if- but How right, do you so, know he's not trying to- Right. It's like a Swiss lure army Lure you, lure he's you. your interpreter. Right, he's exactly. Your so, guide. Because I know, I knew- <laughs> He's a spoon. I, I knew how the gang guys were kidnapping people, right? So I know they would pay off the security guards, right? So the security oh, guards would yeah. tell the, because they're high value targets. So how do I know this guy's not been, you know, possibly breached by a bad guy? So I'm going to be the, you know, I'm going to be the driver. Yeah. I'm I, the captain now. Yeah, I know where I'm going. I'm going to, I'm going to learn. I, I learned like five or six or 10 different ways away. So if this road is blocked, I can- get out of that situation and find a different road or go a different way, you know? So I learned all the ways to get around very easily. Well, I say not easily, but at least I knew how to get from point A to point B in more than one way to avoid dangerous muscle. Like that. Talk about not having your back to the exit. Like you you had to be, I mean, you're doing all this great work and you have to be conscious of what's going on around you. Who might attack you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they got, they'll kidnap you cause you're, Especially when I was there, there was a lot of kidnappings, right? So that was That'd very be the worst, popular. Worst mistake they make, kidnapping Dave. Yeah. <laughs> they might return Are you yeah. guys ready? <laughs> you don't know. Davey, yeah, so if, if we could summarize, though, like we got to get back to uh, to taxes because that's why we have you here, big guy. Um, for people at home that don't know you, don't know your company, um, how do they uh, learn more about you? How do they get a hold of you? I think the easiest way is they could just send me an email. 
I'm D Young at youngandcompany.net or just call my office. Calling might be even easier because I'll be getting pretty busy these days, um, which is 585-427-0210. And, you know, uh, Ann or Debbie, someone will answer the phone and just, you know, ask for me. What about the website? And then go to my website, which is youngandcompany.net. Perfect. Yeah, and yeah. I'll make sure I have links in the yeah. uh, in the description. Right. For you. you know, and yeah. I, I would encourage people to make sure they're aware of that. You know, like I said, the Corporate Transparency Act is something that I want to make sure people are aware of. So, yeah. you know, link up with your CPA. If you have a CPA, stay with your CPA. Be good. I'm not, you know, looking to steal anybody. Sure. But if you don't have a relationship with somebody and you're a small business owner, this might be the year to find somebody. There are so many changes you need to be aware of. It's best to have a good team of people that you can work with that understand what's going on around you so you can have some protection for yourself. Dave, who's your ideal client? Do you, are you doing both uh, individual returns as well as business or? Yeah, I, work, I work with mostly business clients okay. and high, or let's say higher or complex returns. Like I do a lot of returns that may have multiple K-1s that may have a bunch of different moving pieces and parts. Maybe they have a rental property, maybe they have a small business, maybe they have um, some tax planning needs going on so they could have a bunch of things. So the rentals get confusing because there's all kinds of different rules around that mm-hmm. on the rental. Do you, how many rentals do you have? Do you qualify for this 20% deduction for QBI? On small businesses, same thing. There's a bunch of rules out there that people aren't completely unaware of. New York actually has a nice positive one. If you have a small business, gross receipts are less than 1.5 million mm-hmm. and you have some employees. New York gives you a little bit of a 15% deduction on your tax return. But again, it's a lot of things that people don't know about. So I would tell you that whatever CPA you go with, that person will save you mo- most likely, whatever you pay that person will be saved in just aggravation in tax mitigation and compliance. So that's what I would encourage people with. Even if it's not me, just find a CP out there that you're comfortable with that matches your personality and how you, your work style. It's most important to have a good group and that needs a, you need a CPA, a lawyer, and a financial person, just like you and Dave. That's what you need. And if you don't have that, I'd encourage folks to find a person. CPAs are hard to find these days. So I would find one as quickly as you can that you're comfortable working with. Love well it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good summary. Thanks again. I think this is all the time we have for today's show. Thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with our guest today, Dave Young from Young & Company. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, 
Consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Thank you.